Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for September 4th is Ezekiel chapters 24 through 27. We begin today with the word of Yahweh coming to Ezekiel in the ninth year, in the tenth month, on the tenth day of the month. And God says, write down this day. The king of Babylon has laid a siege against Jerusalem. It is the third time the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, has come to lay waste to the city of Jerusalem. The first two times, he didn't actually want to destroy the city. He was taking away the people. He was setting up tribute. There was a remnant left in the city to harvest the crops, to work the land, to pay taxes, a levied payment regularly to Babylon, and that's how Babylon grew so powerful. They would go in, they would take a territory, they would take away some of the most influential people as captives, they would train them in all the ways of their technologies, and they would carry out heavy taxes against the remnant that was left behind. But the people of Jerusalem did not believe that this was from God. They kept waiting for God to rescue them, and yet they did not repent of their sin. So they didn't believe that the city was going to be destroyed. Despite having been told that, every time they were granted any kind of mercy or respite, they believed that it was the coming of the king. They, they believed that they were being provided for. They would reject the words that said that they had to repent or change their lifestyle or anything. And so their destruction was continually held in front of them, and they didn't want to see that they had done anything wrong, that they didn't deserve it, and they made excuse after excuse. Now we are seeing in this day and time the conclusion, we're coming to the end of the first half of the book of Ezekiel, which was all about the coming judgment. We'll be transitioning into the second half of the book, which is about prophecies of the Messiah and the kingdom that he is going to usher in, but not before the complete and total desolation of the city. God says in verse 13, I tried to purify you, but you would not be purified from your uncleanness. You will not be pure again until I have satisfied my wrath on you. The heart of God is always to bring about reconciliation with people, but the people have to want it. God is not the kind of God who is ever going to force his will, saying, you must love me. I will put love in your heart, and you will not be given a choice, because that is not love. That is slavery. God has given us a free will, and our choices matter. The second half of the chapter we read about Ezekiel's wife. The scriptures don't tell us a whole lot about her, but we see that he must have really loved her. Maybe she was in sin. We don't know. But God says, your wife is going to be taken from you. You are not to mourn. Do not let the people see you cry. You can groan quietly, but keep it to yourself. 
And when the people ask you why, say, this is a sign unto you that the thing you love, this city, this temple, these idols, these things you love will be taken from you. And God, in his sovereignty, he doesn't have to do this, but he's, he's showing the people, look, I am struggling too. Like I am going through pain too. It's not fair to me either. I don't want you to struggle and to have pain. I don't want you to be miserable. I don't want you to have to go through all of these things, but you keep choosing that for yourself. And so even I will suffer. Even my representative on earth will suffer because it's through the suffering that we understand the goodness of God. It's easy to have faith when everything is going well. Of course, you don't really need faith in those times, do you? But it's in the crushing that we see what's on the inside, what comes oozing out of you. And so even for Ezekiel to understand what comes out of him when his heart breaks, when the woman he loves is taken from him. Chapter 25, we see these prophecies against the different nations that were all around. And we've spoken many a times about what the different nations represent. But today I'd like to focus briefly on what their sins were that brought the destruction to them. They were all guilty. To the Ammonites in chapter 25, this is what Yahweh says, Because you said, Aha! about my sanctuary when it was desecrated, when it was laid waste. This is what the Lord Yahweh says down in verse 6. Because you clapped your hands and stamped your feet and rejoiced over the land of Israel with contempt wholeheartedly, you will also be destroyed. They rejoiced at their enemies' destruction. We must be careful, mustn't we? We do not want to rejoice when our enemy stumbles or falls. Because what that really reveals is that we think that we are better than they. That the thing that happened to them would never happen to us. Like they deserved it, but we don't. Friends, we need to be more aware of our own sin and less aware of the sins of other people. The judgment against Moab, because they said, look, the house of Judah is like all the other nations. In verse 8, the one thing that set Israel apart from all of the other nations was the God they serve. So to say that Israel was just like all the other nations is to say like their God is just like the other gods. So it's blasphemy. So Moab was guilty and invited judgment on itself by proclaiming that the God of Israel was no special God. He was just like the Greek or Roman gods, the Akkadian gods, the, the gods that the pagans worship. Might as well be Hindu or Buddhist or whatever. It doesn't matter. There's nothing special about you. And that blasphemy 
resulted in their own judgment. Edom acted with vengeance. The Bible tells us that vengeance is not ours to take. God says himself, vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. It says that in the Old Testament, but it's quoted in the New Testament. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. He does not change. Philistia, the Philistines, same thing as the Edomites. Vengeance. And so for vengeance to be mentioned twice, back to back, it's being reinforced. This is something we need to learn from. We will not take vengeance. It's not ours to take. Again, acting with revenge is holding a grudge. It's inviting judgment on ourselves. Jesus said, with the same judgment you use, it shall be measured unto you. 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul writes, Don't let the sun go down on your anger. The continuation of that verse, the very next half of it, is do not give Satan a foothold. Don't let Satan have access by holding on to your grudges. It's not yours. You belong to the living God, and he will take vengeance when he is ready, but he sees the whole picture. We only see one little piece. In chapter 26, we see the downfall of the city of Tyre. Now, Tyre was this walled city. It was a fortress of a city on the coast, modern-day Lebanon. It was in the region that was originally given to Israel, but it doesn't seem as though Israel was ever able to conquest that city or conquer it. Tyre had a king named Hiram who became a friend of David's. They supplied many of the supplies for the temple that Solomon built. And then it became this place of wickedness. I believe it's where Jezebel came from, King Ahab's wife. It was never conquered by Israel but it became a place of wickedness and sin and idolatry and bloodshed. The name Tyre is interesting, the very word. It comes from the Hebrew word that means a hard rock or a pebble. And it made me think, what is a pebble? It's a, it's a stone that's made smooth by flowing water. And interesting, Tyre was this rocky city on the coast, on these rock cliffs. It was so difficult to get to because it couldn't be attacked from sea. And it had these huge walls all around it on the land side. It was never conquered by Israel again. And even Jesus referred to Tyre as an unrepentant city in the Gospels. But it was eventually totally destroyed. In the 1200s A.D., 1,200 years after Jesus, almost 2,000 years after these words were written. And it reminds me, friends, that we have to be very careful about exalting ourselves because the city that was so strong and so rich, it's not unlike the United States today, undefeatable, 
It's kind of like the Titanic, the unsinkable ship. There's that line in the movie, I assure you, sir, it can sink. It's made of iron. Any city or country, any nation or people who refuse to acknowledge that there is a God in heaven from whom and to whom and through whom are all things, deny your maker and you will suffer the consequences. Tyre, USA, whatever nation, whatever people, whatever ethnicity, whatever language, it doesn't matter. He loves us all and we're all given the same opportunities to repent, to acknowledge him, to humble ourselves, to exalt his name. God is no respecter of persons, and the same will be for each of us. If we don't repent, if we don't humble ourselves, if we remain proud and arrogant in our own ideas of who we are and what we offer, what we bring to the table, we will suffer the consequences. But if we're humble and say, God, help me, a sinner, I don't deserve any of it. I'm not better than anyone else. I recognize my own depravity and I need you, Father. I need you to change me. Jesus, come and change me. Then we have hope. May God bless you, my friends. Thank you for being on this journey with me. We'll see you tomorrow.